Welcome to CTRM Radio, home of the official podcast of Commodity Technology Advisory and your source for information on all matters related to CTRM. Hello, this is Gary Vesey with Comtech Advisory. Today I'm in our Brindler office in the Czech Republic and I'm going to be introducing the very first edition of CTRM Radio. CTRM Radio is a new podcast series that we'll do about once a month where we get with various industry leaders and tackle various interesting topics along the way. Well, later in the program, after we've heard from four industry experts about their views on this week's theme, which is the top three technology trends in CTRM for 2018, I'll be joined by my colleague Patrick Reams, and we'll have a quick discussion about what we've heard. The first guest is Jan van den Brom of Adjibu. Jan? Well, there are a couple of trends. A lot is happening, of course, in the commodity space. Participated in many conferences last year, and, and I pretty much got an idea about what the trends could be. And, and I think my, my number one is, I gave it my own label, so to say, but I, I call it integration sophistication. I mean, in, in 2018, I think, so. yeah, sophistication of surrounding technology integrations with CTRM, and that will be really something what's going to be a trend. Integrations like, like with ERP and price feed providers, CRM, uh, I mean, they have really become standardized in the last years. So nowadays they can be really quickly implemented or they're even available out of the box, right? So, and, and personally, I've seen that, that, that with, with Edgeblocks, for example, a vast amount of clients, they require, for example, an Edgeblocks SAP integration. And, and that allows apparently um, uh, people to have a pretty sophisticated integrated IT landscape. And that trend will continue. Uh, it it, it goes further, probably. With, with with available intelligence apps and analytics. And and so you've seen now really the trends of that integration that, for example, customer server data that can be shared by apps instead of traditional by the back office. I believe in 2018, the sophistication will experience a real high maturity level. My number two, I would say, is really the maturity on, on cloud availability. I mean, it might not be sound so trending anymore, right? In 2018, where we have CTRM in the, in, in the cloud. But it, it, yeah, it gets widely accepted now as a standard. And also that has been contributing, right, to the integration sophistication trends, what I, what I mentioned in, in, in my number one. But the maturity level of the cloud delivery allows new possibilities. And I think that has a consequence. consequence. It will dictate a new era for CTRM probably starting this year in 2018, where, yeah, many of, of the well-mentioned disruptive technologies like artificial intelligence and blockchains and the Internet of Things and, and also microservices going to find their way in CTRM in 2018 because of the maturity level of the cloud. So probably that, that all those disruptive technologies will probably take three, five years maybe uh, before they mature sufficiently to become standards. But I'm definitely going to see that in 2018, we'll see the first uh, real true initiatives and practical use for CTRM. I'm, I'm pretty sure. My number three, wow, it's, it's very tempting to, to mention one of those disruptive technologies, right? Like disruptive, like uh, blockchain or, or uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, but probably my number three is that 2018 will be probably the year that people 
leaving behind the real legacy legacy on, on CGRM. It will increasingly difficult to justify the legacy systems. I mean, people in the commodity sector will just realize that it becomes more increasingly difficult to manage and maintain client-server CGRM application house. And that's also, again, caused by the maturity level by the, by the cloud, right? And if you stay on those legacy, it, it, it refrains you from mobile use of commodity data and, and it throws all kind of barriers into your growth strategy. So that is where probably the next generation CTRM in 2018, they, people will realize it's much more cost effective and it allows growth with the business itself. Probably this will be the turning key year where, where legacy is, is behind and, and that you cannot longer postpone it. Thank you, Jan. That was very interesting. Our second guest is Mr. Steve Hughes of Aspect. Steve? I'll take this in kind of random order, but they're all kind of connected in a way. The first one, and, and in terms of technology trends, I don't mean you know what's going to be absolutely around next year, but I think where the focus is going to be is as follows. So one of them is blockchain. I think you know having a, a self-verifying chain of supply from you know cradle to grave is going to make a huge difference. Obviously, not just in this in the, in the commodity space, but generally throughout throughout industry. But I think it's got particular uh, application to to commodities, given the the length and complexity of the supply chain. So I, I think blockchain is going to be something that Aspect, Iron Group in general, and, and and other companies start to to look at. As you probably know, some major commodities companies have also already started to experiment it with the banks. Um, I think everybody's struggling to see exactly how it would fit, but I think people see it as a, a, a tremendous way forward, particularly when you think about, you know, regulation and, and uh, compliance, then, you know, this has got a big part to play. So I think blockchain's number one. I think number two is we've gone through the, the hype of, hey, the hell, what, what, what the hell is cloud? We've gone through all of the frankly, nonsense about, oh, is it secure and, and, and so on. And I think, you know, again, not just in our industry, but in, in other industries too, the acceptance of cloud is kind of now universal, or at least there is some un- un- degree of understanding of that. But I think along with that, older players, again, not just in our market, but older software companies that are kind of forced market-wise to talk about cloud and have a cloud strategy are confusing the situation and it's something that you and I have discussed before. So taking a good old client server old application and sticking it on Microsoft Azure is not cloud. You've just all you've done is put it into a managed service that happens to have the cloud tag. So yeah, it's a place to store things, it's a place to physically do the, the processing. But true cloud apps are were built for that environment, not not adapted to it, and they take full advantage of it. So, as I say repeatedly, for true cloud apps, there is one version of the truth. Um, so a product gets released on Saturday morning, and every user of that worldwide in every company that operates it gets that version on Monday morning. If you are an application that's been adapted to the cloud, you have to wait for the release cycle. So if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a vendor with 
three, four, five hundred clients, I have to go through each one of those instances, install, make sure it's working, test uh, for each client instance. And therefore, there's a cost associated with that. And you can you can guess who the hell is going to pick that up. And that's going to be the clients. So I think the trend is going to be towards a much better understanding that cloud can mean a number of things. And using the word cloud does not necessarily give you the economic advantages that people anticipate because of that kind of misinformation and misunderstanding of the story. So I think that whole thing about um, even those that, that have, have moved into the cloud, usually through uh, adapting an application to work on Microsoft Azure or whatever, I think that's a good starting point. It helps get them on the bandwagon, but I think there's a serious amount of work to do now to make it a true cloud application. So I think um, the third one, I think, kind of relates to, to, to blockchain in a way, or at least I think the two of them together are, are very synergistic. And I think um, it's one of the things that globally will create a paradigm shift. And that's the, the emergence of cryptocurrencies. In that, again, cryptocurrencies done correctly, and I, you know, I hold, hold my hand up and say it is in its infancy and a lot of misunderstanding, again, a lot of um, misinterpretation of the rules and misimplementation of it's been done. But I honestly think that's the future. And I think that in 2018, again, you're going to see a lot of um, toes being dipped into the water. I think you're going to see a lot of the start points of where cryptocurrency, again, particularly applicable in my, in, in, in my view to the uh, commodities trading world, particularly when you couple that with the benefits of blockchain. I guess the, the big downside of those things is um, it can seriously, although it, although it supports, in my view, regulation and transparency, I think the banks are going to have a, a, a struggle with the emergence of that, and they're going to resist it like hell. I think, again, in, in 2018, that's going to become an experimental reality, if you will. And again, I'm, I'm looking out further than what's coming immediately next year. I'm looking at what will kind of start to evolve next year and come out in subsequent years. So those are the three trends I would put at the top of my list. Obviously, there's, there's a whole stack of others, but I'd put those three at the top of my list. So that was Steve Hughes of Aspect. And our third guest is Mr. Tim Rogers of Contigo. Tim? I think in the industry in general, the, the, there are a lot of changes in the physical industry and there's a, there's, there are a lot of changes in the way um, people are approaching energy trading in, in Europe. And I think that the, the technological changes that are that are now starting to underpin um, those, those changes in the industry and support those changes in the industry are quite varied. But um, I, I see a, f a few that are f really emerging as as changes, as, as, as key changes, I would say. But the first one that springs to mind um, is a lot of talk about cloud and cloud deployment. This has been on the, on, on the radar for a very long time and has been talked about for a long time. Cloud is all things to all people. Could be software as a service. It's um, it's hosting servers in the cloud. It is particular parts of the infrastructure being hosted as a managed service, and it's being able to to deploy those those components out to a managed service and perhaps mix and match. So some of those components may be still hosted 
on-premise. So there's all, there are a lot of people talking about cloud and finding and finding interesting solutions. I think the key change is is simply a mind shift. It's an attitude towards having services hosted in the cloud. It, it's not just acceptable; it's been it's expected. So I think you know even five years ago, if you if you talk to somebody about hosting core financial services in the cloud, <laughs> you know. That it looked as if you as if you were crazy. You know, where is my data? Who who's got access to it? Where are the servers? Where is where are the database servers? And how are they segregated? And people were very very nervous about it. And and on the face of it, that's a that's a very valid set of concerns. But if you had that even five years ago, if you if, if you continue that question and said to people, well, presumably your data is backed up, is it not? And they say, yeah, absolutely fine. And and that's not on premise, right? That's off somewhere. Do you know exactly where that is and what happens to it? And then you start to get some interesting looks. And the fact is that data has always been off premise for a long time, certainly in, in a form of backups. And I think people are now very much used to, to having services in the cloud, whether it's a personal email server, whether it is services, um, ancillary services within businesses, you almost expect to go and use cloud services. Offices moving into the cloud, as 365, people start to get comfortable with that. And it's really a, a, a shift in perception rather than, rather than anything else. People now look at ETRM and say, "Okay, is this is this is this is this feasible?" And the answer is yes, it it absolutely is. Not only is it feasible, but there are lots of advantages, and the and the core ones are, are probably fairly obvious. There's the, the the cost of ownership lowers significantly, it, uh, and if you just look at security, the the overhead in putting in secure systems and monitoring them. And keeping things patched, keeping them up to date, making sure firewalls are up, are up to scratch. It, it, I mean, it's certainly doable, and everybody and everybody does it. But why would you why would you bother to do that for another set of components that somebody else can look after for you as a service? The the way you can switch on um, a um, an ETRM system in the cloud is, is is quite astonishing, and we can do it very very quickly. We roll those systems we, we can roll those systems out very very quickly. We can um, upgrade them. This is not a, for us, it's not a, um, a multi-tenanted service, so you don't share database infrastructure with with anybody else. You certainly don't don't share instances. It's a, a single-tenanted system, so effectively you're renting the 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 software and the and the virtual machine space in the cloud. So it's just like having a a, a, a piece of hardware in on-premise. Um, it just happens to be a virtual machine that, that is managed um, in the cloud. I think for, I think for us it's certainly blockchain or distrib- just call it distributed transaction ledger. It, that that's happening at a different uh, you know at a different layer layer for us. For us it's it, it, wherever the trade is executed, whether it's whether it's um, exchange traded derivative, um, whether it's OTC, whether it's purely bilateral, whether the the, the trade is uh, is executed on an exchange, whether it's OTC, whether it's purely bilateral. Or on some other platform, which may be underpinned by um, a distributed transaction, whether it's whether it's blockchain or, or, or some other technology, is immaterial to us. We will um, we'll straight through process the the trade and uh, and deal with the physical and financial exposure as a result. So it doesn't really affect us. What is interesting is 
is automated trading. We're seeing a little bit of automated trading pop up. A lot of people are talking about it, particularly closing positions within day or reacting to market movements and volumes within day. That's interesting for us because there is a greater, potentially a large volume of trades happening within day as these algorithms deal with physical and financial movements. I think for the customer, the, the key thing there is to think about are my systems going to be able to um, to straight through process from that from that automated trading system? Am I going to be able to just map them straight into my system if there is a if there is a large volume? Now they'll probably because they're within day they'll probably deliver quite quickly and they're not going to contribute to an open position. So you shouldn't see um, uh, big performance hits with with large volumes of trades. You're going to have to get them into your system. You're going to have to. You're going to have to deal with them in, a, in an ECRM system, and you're going to have to do that quite quickly. So, I, I think that's the one change that we're that, that we're seeing that is, is interesting for us. I think that being able to deploy to certain size of organisations very rapidly is is important, and being able to show a proof of concept very quickly um, is important. It, it really make it really gives the customer the opportunity to see exactly the way a system is going to work in reality. It might not be a full implementation end to end, but you'll get to a base system that is adding value very very quickly. And it, it, it gets it's a more agile approach to, to to software delivery. What exactly are the core components of the product that will add value quickly? Such that you can then start to use them and see how you can st- how you can use the rest of the system. And I think that's very important. And um, we're certainly seeing a lot of um, uptake in that direction. So I, I think that's going to be a core change into, uh, into into 2018. Thank you, Tim. That was very interesting. Our fourth and final guest for this issue of CTRM Radio is Mr. Arndt Solly of Powell. Arndt? I think there is a significant interest in, in what is called algorithmic trading solution, in particular related to the intraday market, in particular within the medium to largest size utilities. Automation is, is absolutely not only about automating the trading itself, but uh, the entire work process around it, like update of production plans for renewable to the SCADA system, sending of system data to the TSO, nomination, scheduling, etc. So actually to automate the entire work process around trading and then enable an official plugin of algorithmic trading module when the preconditions are in place. Yeah, we do of course offer a cloud-based algorithmic trading solution as well, but our approach to algorithmic trading is what we call a white box solution, meaning that we have written several standard algorithms which you can use directly or as a starting point. I think but the customers has full flexibility to write their own algorithms in Python actually. And most traders, they, they want to develop their unique strategies uh, to stay competitive in the market. And while most of our competitors are offering a limited set of predefined algorithms, and we do think that that is not a good approach. It's for sure, I think it's for sure not a robust approach against, for instance, sniffing and spoofing. So we're also in, innovating with kind of machine learning based algorithms. And, and our clients will also get the ability to write their own uh, ML based uh, algorithms. And what kind of when you do need, need to take control, uh, we have a steering wheel with our POWAL. So actually, yeah. we developed this POWAL internet trading together with our clients to be the most kind of user friendly interface in the market today. Connected both to EPEX and Orpool and, and uh, other kind of open APIs like XBIT. But I think the key is that kind of all, to have all solutions 
seamlessly connected to both physical assets like power plants and to the nomination and scheduling, so which we handle with, with, with Delta XC. Algorithmic trading is for sure uh, one of the, the big topics that I think yeah. another important tech trend is it's kind of ecosystems. An ecosystem, that, that's the new bedrock of digital, according to Accenture. And that's based on the assumption that to solve a business problem, a combination of kind of different technologies needs to be involved. Uh, and, and this is driven by the big trend with kind of digitalization, but of course also the need for simplifying complexity. The user experience of different solutions, uh, they get better and, and also easier uh, to use. Uh, and this is because the complexity is moved from the front to the back end of solutions at hand. So when we talk about a digital platform, we mean kind of an architecture that contains a different number of technologies and allowing these to work together, both from a business and technology perspective. So, so, so we at Power, we have kind of worked intensively in the last couple of years with, with opening up, a, up our portfolio and moving from a world of enterprise solution to an open ecosystem, allowing our clients to select the solutions or modules they would like and plug them into their own digital platform. And our, our guiding star is that our solution should work kind of good alone, but great together. So when we, for instance, refer to algorithmic trading solutions, of course, good alone as a standalone solution, but if you connect it with a kind of marginal cost module for physical assets, machine learning based wind power forecasting as an, as an example, or short-term trading uh, and power and gas scheduling with Delta XC and of our internet trading, then, then it kind of goes from good to great. That's kind of how this ecosystem approach actually works. And then okay. it's kind of the, the, the fourth or the third trend, I mean, which is kind of the, the cloud or the digitalization in the cloud. Uh, and we see that some of our clients, they have really taken the step in the direction of a digital platform like Eon and Uniper, and uh, and um, they've also taken the kind of full commitment toward the third big trend, which is cloud-based solutions. So yeah. when we impl- when we implemented our solutions at Eon and Uniper, it was it was deployed in the Microsoft Azure cloud environment, but with the new implementation of a multi-asset, multi-market optimization solution at the Uniper in Germany, we are talking about a pure Azure-based cloud-based solution. And the takeaway from this journey is lower total cost of ownership, according to, to, to Uniper, uh, faster time to market and more agility. So we have kind of turned the corner in the utility space and customers to see these great opportunities in the cloud. So cloud-based solutions are not, they're not only relevant for small holistic solutions that are used individually, but also a way of creating your own digital platform based on standard third-party software. And I think probably the security achieved is also higher than what we see that utilities are faced with today. So, Patrick, that was four interesting interviews. What would you take from it? Well, you know, I, I think they all pointed out uh, kind of a consistent message throughout the, the marketplace. Clearly, the revolution that is the cloud and uh, the implications of that. I think the the speed of implementation, the speed of integration also is an increasing concern, as well pointed out by Jan and, and Tim. And I think also the the algorithmic trading view, particularly on the part of Arndt at, at Powell, uh, I think that's a very interesting development, particularly for the European markets. Maybe not quite as much as, as we see in the North American markets, but I think certainly uh, you're, you're better able to speak to that. Well, if you read some of the Reuters and Bloomberg stories recently about some of the hedge funds in the space pulling out because um, the prices are not following fundamentals due to automated trading, it 
probably means there's a lot more of it going on than we actually think. Well, no, I think you're right, but I think a lot of that is financial trading. That's people coming in that don't really follow the fundamentals of the marketplace and are just you know, trading on ticks. I think for the, the, the physical operators in North America, we, we see less uh, of the algo trading than we do in, in Europe. I thought also uh, Mr. Solly's comments about the ecosystem was interesting. Yeah, no, and I think that's something we've been seeing for quite a long time, too. We, matter of fact, had that white paper about it. Uh, I think it's clearly, it, you know, you can kind of review it back as the old days of best of breed and trying to integrate all those together. But I think that the difference now is we're seeing solutions uh, via the cloud that are able to kind of stand on their own legs and quickly integrate with others. It does provide the ability to develop that ecosystem uh, where you're not entirely relying on a single monolithic difficult to maintain and difficult to upgrade solution. You're getting really kind of the, 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 the capabilities, specialized capabilities by commodity or by logistics and are able to quickly deploy that via the cloud and quickly integrate. Uh, a significant and, and uh, as we've talked about in the past, a fundamental shift in the marketplace. Yeah, it's no longer buy or build, but possibly buy and build. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. You've, you've done a few engagements recently where, uh, that buy and build mentality was, was certainly the philosophy that they were using within their organizations for specialized commodities. Yeah. One of the uh, interesting things for me was that, so far as I recall anyway, there weren't very many mentions of optimization or big data or visualization, being able to find ways to assimilate uh, vast amounts of data on a screen, that kind of thing, which I think is increasingly important. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think the, the folks we spoke to are really speaking to their strengths, uh, and that's that's to be expected. But I, I do think you're right. I think optimization, uh, particularly around you know heavy heavy and, and very expensive assets, is is particularly a concern uh, in in the North American markets. As trading becomes less of a profit center. You're you're really trying to to drive the efficiencies out of those assets and, and maximize your returns that way. You know, if you can pick up a, a fraction of a cent by improving the, the capabilities of your assets, that's that guarantees a return that you're not going to necessarily get out of trading. Yep. And I guess um, my final thought would be that um, of all, for all the conversation about cloud from the different uh, participants, we're still left with that feeling of what does cloud mean to you? Because it seems... <laughs> There were some very different uh, views on what cloud actually meant amongst the people that we interviewed. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Steve touched on that a bit. For Steve from Aspect, Steve Hughes, uh, cloud means a lot of different things to different people. And and you know, I and and Steve clearly has uh, a very strong view about the multi-tenanted model, and and I don't necessarily disagree with him. I, you know, there's there's all sorts of flavors of cloud, though, and uh, you know. I don't think necessarily one model is going to prevail in the near term. You know, potentially down the road, we're going to see kind of that multi-tenanted model taking over more and more. But hosted in the cloud, managed services in the cloud, uh, these are all viable models today. But I, I do think eventually, as the sophistication and underlying technology improve, we will see that multi-tenanted model kind of gaining additional ground across you know all the various commodities and industries. Yep. Well, I guess the one thing that I came away with was that there 
are many, many disruptive technologies all hitting the uh, the commodities sector at the same time. And it's going to be a very interesting uh, couple of years as we go forward to see which ones actually take off and which ones don't. You know, we're obviously going to keep our eye on blockchain. That one's interesting. A lot of great potential there. Just not sure how soon we're going to see commercially viable solutions there. Uh, Algo trading, uh, you know, all the others that we we spoke about. It'll be interesting to see the results of our survey that comes out and uh, the subsequent report to kind of get uh, an even deeper feel as to who, what the market views there. Okay, thanks, Patrick. So there we go. That was the first edition of CTRM Radio from Comtech Advisory. There'll be one of these each month towards the end of each month with different topics and different interviewees and analysis each month. So stay tuned and join us next time. In the meantime, from Patrick Reams and myself, thank you for listening. Thank you to our guests. Goodbye. You've been listening to CTRM Radio, a podcast by leading industry analysts, Commodity Technology Advisory. You can find more information about us at ComTechAdvisory.com and much more news, views, research, and information on CTRM at the CTRM Center at CTRMCenter.com. Thank you for joining our presenters, managing partners Patrick Reams and Gary M. Basie and their guests today, and we hope to see you on a future edition of CTRM Radio.